When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yo, what's poppin' everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Vitamin C's. As usual, I'm your boy Adam Taylor, and I'm joined by my homies, my compadres, my co-hosts in crime, Mr. Tim Shields and Wayne Breezy. If you're new here, make sure you hit that subscribe button, uh, jump in the comment section, whatever's good there too. Just show some love. Guys, how's it going? It's it's going. It's been it's been rough. Yeah. I was going to say, I've been better. Yeah, I mean, but that's just like, Dude, man, we've been spoiled for for good performances. No, 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 Adam. Don't, don't, don't. No, it's 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 not. I I would be okay if it was a, a legit losing streak. Like we're literally up in these games and we just lose them. I don't so, even know if we've gotten beat the past three games. I like I don't even oh, know. Brooklyn got, their ass. I okay. don't know, man. They were they were up on Brooklyn. That's the problem, yeah, right? Dude, like they, they had like up. a twenty eight point. Lead. This is like it's not even the fact that they lost. It's the way that they lost that Thank really you. stings. Thank and you, I Tim. think that's where it's like more of a concern. Like this is a trend. I wrote about it a little bit for Celtics blog, but this this whole thing where they just blow leads, just like what what's going on, guys? This is a ghost of old, you know, old seasons past. Okay, yeah. so the first thing I'm going to say is I think that blowing a 28-point lead in the second quarter is far different to blowing a lead down the stretch, right? Which is what they've done against the Knicks and against the Cavs. So to me, the Nets came out and handed a whooping. Yeah, they took a minute to figure out how they wanted to play and you know how they wanted to adjust their defense to counter what Boston was doing. But as far as I'm concerned, the Nets whooped Boston because you lost that 28-point lead before the, before the half. You came out in the second half and got you were just getting whooped. At least against the Knicks, specifically, there was fight right until the end, right? Like, but you let you open the door and let them back in, right? You let their hand back in that cookie jar, and then they kind of took all your toys away at the end. And then it's the same on the Cavs, right? Like, but again, you didn't have Tatum, you didn't have Rob. You know, there was guys missing in that game, but that's just an excuse. Like, you can't be up and then let them come back and put their hand back in the cookie jar in that fourth quarter. So the last two games, I can definitely feel where frustration's coming from. The Nets one is the one where I was like, yo, this is egregious. You can't do it. Like, it's, this isn't the Nets with Kyrie and KD. This is the new look Nets with no star. You know, so I, I get where you're, I get where you're coming from. I, I, I really do. I just think that 
the Nets game irked me. It was the last two games have concerned me? Does that make like? Is that can you see the like? Yeah, I'm making a difference. Yeah, I like that. I like that actually. Because you're talking about closing, and I think that's kind of been the problem those last two games specifically. I mean, you put it in perspective, though, talking about Monday where it's like you're missing guys. You don't have Al. You don't have Rob. You don't have Jason Tatum. I had penciled that game in kind of already for a loss. And then they came out and they were like playing good. And I was like, holy crap, They're like they might actually be able to win this one. And then they don't. And that's I think that's where it stings. I'm not trying to play the blame game. <laughs> Oh, I know but, it's coming. But let let well let's let's start with coaching because why can't or why doesn't our head coach? And it could be because he's young as a coach. I mean, he's young in age as well. But he it just adjustments they, they aren't his thing yet. Like you know what I'm saying? Which concerns me, Adam, because you said something about concerned and and being you know. Yeah, he's not to be concerned. Which concerns me specifically because we're going to have to play against some of these veteran, experienced, NBA, long-tenured head coaches in the playoffs. And I do – I look, do I feel like our team can beat any team? Absolutely. I think the Celtics could beat any team on any given night. But it's coming down to where teams adjust. We don't. There's no, I don't give, there's no fucking way we should have lost to Brooklyn. I don't give a fuck. I don't care what the lead was. There's no way the Celtics should have lost that game. I don't care if they new looked, old look, Kyrie, Kevin Durant. It doesn't matter. They should not have lost. It's like they got lazy. They forgot how to play basketball. They were going back to the old ways and they lost the game. They got 10 year words. They got their butts whipped. Cool. The last two games, I just don't get it. Like it doesn't make any sense. And, 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 and we struggle. Like against two positions, at least when I watch basketball, it's those athletic bigs and them quick ass fast point guards. For some reason, that's where we struggle. We can't figure it out. And as much as I love Marcus Smart and I love his defense, the guy, the kid can't defend all five positions at the same time. Somebody's got to step up in that realm. So the Celtics are falling short due to the fact that they're not always healthy. They don't have the same players on the court. Brogdon not playing in the uh, the Knicks game probably was a huge piece. And then Jason Tatum not playing in this game was a huge piece. So like, like you said, you can't, you can't say that those, those are just excuses. We were beating them and we should have won. And Grant Williams has to hit the motherfucking free throws just like everybody else. And don't freaking tell Donovan Mitchell you're going to hit both of them and miss both, bro. Like, that's my, that's a problem. I mean, I'm not going to argue they do struggle against the athletic bigs. They struggle against guys that can explode. I think boxing out, like the Celtics are among, I did have the stat with me, but I know they're among the top teams in box outs this season. But what they're doing recently is they're getting lazy, right? They're not making physical connections on those box outs. So guys, so they're going into a box out stance, but guys are just kind of like circling around them because there's no connection. So you can't feel them moving. And then you have guys like you, you made a point of this after the last Knicks last, so last week, where you were saying like, you know, Mitchell Robinson just kind of dominated. And I'll give the Celtics credit. They did kind of nullify Jarrett Allen on Monday night. He wasn't really a big factor. But then Evan Mobley got cooking and you was allowing Evan Mobley to do things like cut and then get the ball kind of flow into a post-up then spin off you for a hook shot or whatever. And that there's definitely a big issue with that big rotation. I just don't think... 
first of all, it's unfair to say that there's a like Monday's rotation was an issue because let's be fair, you were playing your third and fourth string big. But overall, I'm not sure that Missoula's got his rotations down. I think offensively, they've gone away from what they were doing well. So if you look at what they were doing at the start of the season, it was very much run an action, dribble, penetrate, kick out, and then swing the rock, right? Until Because the defense is scrambling at this point. Whereas the last few games before the Cleveland game, um, they've been swinging the rock, but no one's moving. It's just a lot of perimeter actions. Let's set a screen on both sides of the floor and see what happens. Maybe force a switch, blah, blah, blah. It just feels like the end of Brad Stevens' tenure, where it's like everyone stand around in a five out. We're going to swing the ball like it's college, but no one's going to cut. And then we're going to jack up a three once we create a little bit of separation on a defender. And it, it just doesn't work. You don't create rhythm that way. But I do agree. I think um, point guards as well, fast point guards, fast guards, two guards as well. If you're two guards fast, like Donovan Mitchell, he's going to cook you as well. I think their perimeter defense hasn't been great this year. Marcus Smart, to me, has kind of regressed a little bit as a perimeter defender. He's still doing fantastic things defensively. But to the level where he was last year, to where he is this year in terms of level, I think there's been a bit of a regression there too. Overall, I'm just not sold. And this is like the worst way, right, for Joe Mazzula to start his official head coaching tenure. He's two two and four since getting that job, if I'm correct. I think uh, they won against the Pacers and then they won the other night. Who did they win against now? My mind's going blank. They won against the Sixers, but then they lost against the Knicks twice. They've lost against the Nets and now they've lost against the Cavs. And it's been some of the most stagnant basketball that we've seen on both sides of the floor. Now, against the Cavs, they did kind of figure out their offense a little bit. I wrote about that today. But yeah, man, I can feel you. I, I definitely think that big containing bigs and speedy guards is going to be an issue. And I'll get onto the coaching part in a moment because I do agree with you. Tim, I want your thoughts though. Well, in the physicality, I think the physicality, I talked about this with Wayne a little bit, but in terms of how the Celtics have approached these games, these are physical teams they're going against right now. And the Knicks, the Knicks aren't a team that you can scoff at anymore. Like they're going to come in and they're going to punch you in the mouth every game, every possession. And they've done it. I mean, the Celtics now have played in 11 overtime games. They are four and seven. There was one team that's played close to that. That's the Knicks. They've played in 10 overtime games. They're four and six in those games. However, the Celtics have played five of their overtime games against the Cavs and the Knicks, and they are 0-5 in those games. Those are teams that you're going to face come playoff time. Like, There's a really good chance that you face one, if not potentially both of those teams, depending on how seeding kind of rolls itself out. Like Those are two teams that you have to consider looking at down the line. And in terms of the offense, I think there's been a really big focus on three-point shooting. It's been a point of criticism. For Missoula, it's been a point of focus. And I think what Adam, what you were saying before talking about where these threes are coming from, how they're starting off of actions, they're trying to create space before. Now I think that they're just, they're settling for threes and they're not good threes. Like the the looks themselves aren't bad, but you could find a better look by getting some more motions in there, getting more actions, penetrating, trying to create more space. And you, you saw the offense get a little bit better during that Cavs game, and I think that was some of the better ball movement we've seen from the team in a while. And it, it, it's frustrating to see them fall back into these ruts, right? Because this is so similar, so similar to December of 2021. And that's kind of where I feel like they're sinking down and they're regressing back to those last year's struggles. 
but it's in reverse because the Celtics struggled at the beginning of last season. And then, you know, end of December going into January, they started to figure it out and they went on an unreal tear. Now you're looking at a situation where you start off March stumbling around trying to figure out what's going wrong with the team. Why can't we maintain a lead? Why is our offense dying? Why are our threes not falling? So on and so forth. And now Joe Mazzula is tasked with trying to figure this out. And I think in terms of my concern level, I'm probably a five or a six. I think that they can figure it out. It's just, I want them to try and put together some decent games here because these losses are voidable. That's I think the worst part. Yeah. I think it's definitely partly like execution. I think more so being like staying, staying locked in. Right. I think that this team kind of, gets up like they, they they build this lead and then they get really lackadaisical there's no killer instinct there like hey we're gonna keep playing this way like i remember when i was playing sports and even now when i do whatever like you know martial arts or whatever i'm always told like yo it doesn't matter how badly you're beating someone or getting beat the biggest compliment they can pay you is if they don't take the foot off the gas because that means they take you seriously, they respect you as a team, as a competitor, whatever you want to put it as, right? And when you watch the Celtics, what seems to be happening at the moment is they're building these leads and then taking their foot off the gas. Have they bought into their own hype a little bit? Are they feeling themselves? Like, do they think they can just dig themselves out of holes? Like I said, with the actions, what I'm saying there is, like, it's a lot of stagger screens, it's a lot of flare screens. It's a lot of wide pin downs. Everything's happening on the perimeter. There's very little going on where you run that stagger screen and someone curls in, into the paint and actually gets the ball on that curl and forces a defensive rotation. And that kind of brings us back to Wayne's point, though, right? Where you're talking about Joe Mazzula not making adjustments and you come up against, you go into the playoffs and you have to face the Heat or the Bucks or even the Sixers to a lesser degree. And I've spoke about why I don't think Duck is one of the more elite coaches in the league. I just don't see it. But he's a veteran. He's savvy. He understands when to make changes. You come up against these type of teams and now you're in trouble. If you don't know how to adjust or you're kind of, how can I put it, locked in on your system, like Joe Mazuda feels like he's very stubborn and he doesn't want to move away from what he believes. Like this, we're going to play this one way. And if this one way is not going to work, we're going to keep trying. You know, we're going to keep knocking on that door and trying to get through that door. And the adjustments just aren't there. Now, does that mean he's not capable? We don't know because we haven't seen him try to make these adjustments. We see little, like, changes game to game. But his game management, his in-game adjustments have been quite bad. I think that we're starting to see the the downside of overplaying the Jays too much and letting those minutes rack up. Legs are starting to look tired. Guys are looking a little bit gassed. Giving a giving someone like Tatum a night off was a good call against the Cavs, but at the same time, like Brown went for forty five minutes on the, in his second back to back overtime game. Like you're putting wear and tear on guys' body, and I'm not saying that that's a super negative thing. But one of the things that everybody says about Tibbs when he was coaching the Bulls was he took a few years off a lot of careers by playing by giving guys the minutes that he gave them. Some people will say that he played a part in Derrick Rose's knee issues. I'm not on that train, but I understand the train of thought. I don't personally believe that. But, you know, there's negatives to running guys into the ground like this, especially in the regular season. Like, now it feels like that first seed is kind of slowly falling out of reach. Milwaukee are on a tear. Okay, cool. 
You've got a few game cushion over third. Let's let's stay in second. Even if you drop to third, it's not the end of the world. Start giving guys a little bit of rest and start trying to make some adjustments in game just to see what works. This is why I've always been a big fan of experimenting for the first 20, 25 games of the season. People used to kill Brad Stevens for that. Ime Udoka experimented for that time as well, roughly. Joe Mazzula came in with a set lineup and it hasn't changed all year. So he doesn't have that kind of data that he can go back to and be like, well, this lineup works, this lineup meshes well. It's just not there. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I, I, I would say we were on a winning tear at the beginning of the season. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I think that's kind of like what it was. You know, we were winning and that's why we are where we are. But that's fair. And you're right. There's no data to sit there and say, well, let me try this. Let me try that. I, I think my only my issue, though, is like, dude, you have these guys on the bench that are fresh. I don't care if they're 95 years old. Like Blake, Blake Griffin will give you some energy. Uh, I was really upset in the Knicks game, the, the, the second Knicks loss, when we didn't use uh, uh, Pritchard. Like, why not? Like he can keep up, he can probably keep up with quickly and just not allow quickly to quickly get to the basket. Maybe slow him down a little bit because every time they switched, it was quickly on Grant and it was was a basket. It was just a basket, 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 basket. Didn't he have forty points? I'm sorry, I'm still mad and and teetering over that. But why? Why does quickly have forty points? That's not Brunson, and Brunson shouldn't even have forty points against the Celtics. I feel like the Celtics defense has. Took a took a downward trend over the p- past. I would say last year they were great. This year they're just down, and and I just don't think at some point they're gonna have to get back to the defensive minded, creating turnovers and getting good back bus backs baskets in transition. That's what we did. That's that's kind of like how we played yesterday. I mean, in that game, and we were able to get that crazy lead. It's just that we started turning the ball over. We had a couple of erratic passes. Like I don't. I, it wasn't all lazy. It was just weird stuff. Like we were experimenting and taking bad shots. Like, like Tim said earlier, why are we taking this three when you could get a better three? Why, why this one? And so it was like Jalen Brown, I love you, but why do you shoot some of the the threes you shoot? And then why why don't you shoot the threes that you should shoot? It's so weird how we're playing basketball. And maybe we're just doing what you said. Maybe we're experimenting. Maybe we're trying to figure things out. If, 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 if anybody was to go down and we had to run with that lineup, we were cooking when Malcolm Brogdon was in there. The bench was outscoring their whole damn team. And then all of a sudden it just, it just went away. And it was just like, I know the bench isn't tired, but Malcolm Brogdon couldn't hit a shot toward the end. It was just weird. So why not utilize some of these other guys, even if they don't score, they're fresh energy and possibly could provide a spark. And I think I'm hoping we start to see that on this two week road trip so that you can uh, give your guys some rest. You can give Tatum uh, a little a few minutes off a game or you can give Jalen Brown a few minutes because these guys are going hard in the paint like 48 minutes if they could and if they had to. But you double like overtime, double overtime, overtime. These guys are running out of gas, bro. And. I, I'm not I'm not upset with Grant Williams, but dang, if he just hits one free throw, we win the game. Like, and it, if if we're fifths, we'd all be drunk. I get it, <laughs> but but dang, you gotta you gotta be locked in. You said it. You gotta be locked in. 
and we weren't locked in. And maybe this road trip, guys, this is the this is the the cool part. Maybe this road trip will allow us to come together, band of brothers. Hey, we're going on a two week road trip. You know, we got what six games or whatever we got to play. Let's lock in. Let's lock in. And, and guess what? We end our road trip, I believe, in Utah against Danny Ainge. So let's let's lock in. And let's put this together. And I tell you what, if they have a great road trip, then I will no longer be worried. And I'm not saying just having a great road trip, they got to win all their games. I'm just about the way that they play. I want to see the energy. I want to see the non-laziness basketball. I want to see less mental mistakes. Why are we still making the same mistakes? I know we're not insane. So we should be making less mental mistakes going forward. And maybe this is the road trip. Maybe this trip coming up will do that. And I think when talking about Grant Williams and his struggles, I think I have, I'm like 50, 50, I'm like mad, but I'm also understanding and sympathetic with Grant's struggles because I think going into that game against the Cavaliers, he'd been struggling for a long time and you sort of needed him to have a good game. And, you know, he started off like four or four from three was looking good, looked more confident. And then he had a chance to go ahead and hit those free throws. And before he did, he just ends up jarring and, trying to talk trash with Donovan Mitchell instead of just going on the line, letting your game speak for itself, hit the free throws and call it a night and then say, sorry, did you say something? I didn't quite hear you. Got to use your big boy voice when you're talking to the guy who just won the game on those free throws. So like you, you, you have that chance to do that. And I'm hoping that he can get right. I'm hoping this is not going to, at first it's going to feel like a, a, a gut punch. Like he's going to, let that sit and simmer with for a while, but I want ultimately Grant to come around because you, when you're talking about bench rotations, you're talking about leaning on guys and needing to try and get the Jays off the floor. You need Grant Williams. You need him to play like he was earlier in the season. You need Grant Williams like he was last year, and you're not getting it consistently this year. And I think that's really one of the problems with the bench unit and specifically talking about minutes for Jalen and Jason it's really hard to give these guys time off the floor when the team is incapable of protecting a lead. And that ties into this recent losing streak. And it's still been, even with the, even with how they were performing earlier in the year, we started to see that kind of fade in where they were, where they were having issues protecting a lead during the game. And it just, it continues to be a problem. And I don't know if it's rotations getting stagnant or, Hey, maybe I need to go ahead and throw this guy in here because he's got fresh legs and he's got some energy or what have you. But I I think one big one that you can look at is Derek white, like Derek white should be in their closing games. And in my opinion, based on everything that's going on with Rob Williams, who's now out uh, it's been a few days now, but he was originally listed as seven to 10 days with a left hamstring strain. Rob can't stay healthy. You need to start considering whether or not you're going to actually have him in the starting lineup. I know we're all obsessed with double bigs. I think it's great. I think certain. I'm not obsessed with double bigs. (laughs) I think certain lineups call for it, though, right? Like, I think going against the Cavs, it makes perfect sense. And in that win against the Cavs, it was huge. But you can't run it all the time, especially with. Al being incapable or not incapable, but they're resting him on back-to-backs, which I totally appreciate. I approve of given his age, but for Rob right now, he is still not a hundred percent. He wasn't a hundred percent before he got hurt again. So you can't put him out there in the starting lineup and expect him to give you the same level of Rob that we are used to. So if it means that you shave a few minutes off of his, you know, his workload every night until he is closer to, 80 
85%, 90% of what he was last year. Like you just need to do something. And that falls in the coach. Like that's a rotational thing. You've got to fix that. I mean, look, first of all, with the double bigs, I'm fine with it when you're playing against a team that also runs a double big lineup matchup. That's the point in matchups. But when you look at the way the Celtics played at the start of the season, fast, decisive basketball, everybody could penetrate, everybody could handle the rock, everybody could dribble. It was because you were playing with four ball handlers plus Al Horford. So five ball handlers, if you want to class Horford as a potential ball handler there. Everybody could make decisions. Everybody could score off the dribble, create their own shot to a certain degree and create for others. When you run, run a double big with... Rob and Horford or Blake and Muscala, especially like you're, you're removing, you're removing two ball handlers from your, from your rotation at any given point. Right. And then you look at it like, well, we're already force feeding a few too many, like up too many actions with Jalen or Jason bringing the ball up the floor. We've got Derek White. We've got Marcus Smart. We've got Malcolm Brogdon. Shouldn't we allow them some extra opportunities to handle the rock so we can have Jason and Jalen spreading the floor, coming off those perimeter actions and then looking to actually do what they're best at and be elite at scoring the ball or creating those secondary plays because of the gravity that they're going to hold. So, yeah, I, I know a lot of people are like, yo, the double big's the way to go. And I was one that was like, we haven't seen this starting five really all season. We need to give it time. And I think that's been a part of some of these like bad games is like, hey, you know, whenever we're, we've rarely seen this start, the best five, as we'd call it, from last season, healthy. Excuse me. But it's just, I'm not, I'm not on that. I, I really like the idea of having five people that can, st- that can handle the rock, move about the ball. They can all screen. They can, a lot of them can score on three levels. And then when you go to your rotation, you're only losing one ball handler. If you look at, if you're running a double big and you pull Tatum out of there, you've got two ball handlers on the floor. But you've got enough talent there to have at least four at all times, three, four, depending on what rotations you run. I just think that the modern NBA and the way this team's constructed, I I don't see the need for a double big lineup unless you're doing it for matchup purposes. If you want to send two bigs at Giannis, fine. If you want to send two bigs at Embiid, fine. Cavs, fine. Knicks, I get it. But I also think the Knicks are a team where you can punish them with your scoring and ball handling more than what you could Giannis or Embiid and etc. So me personally, I'm just kind of, you know, if moving Rob to the bench makes sense, I'm down because that gives you an extra ball handler on the floor to start games with, to potentially close games with. It, it, you know, it's all fluid. And I also think that Horford's done a good enough job as just a, a stretch big that he can he's just plug and play at this point across any rotation you have. So, yeah, maybe it's time to start having a look at some other options because the best stretch of basketball that this team has played all season didn't involve two big men. Great point. The only issue is Horford's health and will they continue to monitor to where he's missing the back-to-backs or whatever? Because once you get that, like you said, once you get that consistency going and you get it working and then, you, and then Horford misses a game 
And now you're going back to what Rob as your single big or Grant Williams is going to be in there with Rob. So that is kind of like you're back at the double big situation. So I, I feel like health is just always the overall issue with the Celtics. And <laughs> because they don't know exactly which lineups to put out there because they can't find that one consistent thing. And I think this is where uh, Missoula has to figure it out. Right. This is what we need. And we need him to go through this fire, this fernery fire furnace to, to figure stuff out like you know what I'm saying and so as as mad as I am about losing but I, I think losing to the Knicks the Nets I'm okay with losing to the Cavs I just don't like losing to the freaking Knicks I think that's what it is and not only that we lost to them twice and not only that we only got one win so at the end of the day they swept the series what happens if we have to play these bums and the playoffs? It seems like they got our number. I think that's what Tim was saying a little bit earlier. Same thing with the Cavs. Can't beat them. But I just don't like losing to those rival teams. I don't feel like the Cavs are really like a rival team. So I'm, I'm okay if we lose to them. But, but Missoula has to figure out how to adapt. And I guess the only way to do it is by messing up. It's okay to f- let me let me rewind this because the teacher in me is starting to come out. One thing I used to teach my students, I was like, listen, I remember the first day of class, I asked them, did they ever fail? If you ever failed at something, raise your hand. They were kind of scared to raise their hand. So I raised my hand first. I talked about how I failed my first course in college. It was like business calculus two or some shit I shouldn't have been taking. Anyway, I failed it because I took that and macroeconomics in the same semester like an idiot because I didn't have an advisor to advise me on what to do. So I got a D plus in one and an F in another. And I was like, listen, but I tell you what, look where I am today. I'm teaching you and it wasn't the end of the world. And so it's okay to fail as long as you're learning from it. The question is, are we going to see our coach learn from these uh, matchups and, and and rotational mistakes? Can he learn from it? And that's what we need to see, like, quick. Because the playoffs are coming, and it's coming quick. And in the playoffs, yeah, you're going to shrink your, 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 your roster, your rotation down just a little bit. But we need all the pieces we can get. Because I tell you what, you keep Brogdon healthy, that's a plus. That's a bonus, right? Best six-man in the league. Probably can start on other teams, but I'm glad he's – starting off of our bench. He's the guy that leads our bench, right? And so we got to figure this out when we're playing these other teams because we should not be losing to teams that are inferior. I just don't feel like that's what we should do. We should dominate. And if we stop being lazy, we stop taking our foot off the gas. And and if, if, if we do see a mess up, we immediately figure it out. We call a timeout and we try something new. If it works, it works. Ha, I figured it out. If it doesn't work, let's try something new again. And I think that's what we need to see from our coach, from a coaching perspective and and the player's perspective. They need to just go out there and execute, like you said. I'm sorry I'm ranting, but it's just it's just ridiculous, though. Like we should not have lost these last three. Seriously. I mean, I think that's fair. I think there's reason to be upset. I just now at this point, it's more so how do they move forward from here and what changes can you implement? Um, I know that Rob is going to be out for next game. I just saw an alert about it. Uh, so take that for what you will. They will be without Robert Williams again, um, just about as expected at this point. And I, I, I feel like now we're at a point where they just need to get back to doing the basics. And I think Wayne probably mentioned it, but like, and I, I, Adam, I think you did too, but talking about boxing out, like that was something that Joe actually said he was pissed about. Like late in the game, he was like, you guys weren't boxing out. Like it actually legitimately pissed me off. And I actually, 
take solace in the fact that he gets mad now. Like, you should be angry. These are games that you had a chance to win if you play the right way. I think it was Ime Udoka who said this last year, but you play the game the right way and the gamer will reward you. And I feel like that's what the Celtics kind of gotten away from. Like those, you take care of the little things, the big things take care of themselves. So when you box out, when you fight for rebounds, the second chance buckets are killing them right now. I think the Knicks thrived on it uh, big time against them. And I think that's really where it is. Like that physicality really comes in on the boards, especially on the offensive glass. And so it's really, really hurting them on that end. And it's like you defended a possession great. And then you just go ahead and you miss the rebound because you guys were not hustling for it. And now the other team's got the rebound. They get another chance. Oh, look, there's a bucket. And it's just, it's frustrating to see it happen again and again and not see that kind of adjustment. Right. Like that, they give up that offensive board and then their heads drop a little bit. And that used to really piss him off last season. You'd hear him in press conferences all the time. Just be like, yo, we've got to make sure our heads don't drop. We need to just look forward to the next possession. And then you see it happen this year, and you're like, it's happening again. Like the the, and I'm not. I hate the narrative of all oh, this team's soft. This team's not mentally tough. Like forget all that crap. I don't. I don't subscribe to none of that. I think that, you know, I'm forever the optimist, and I'll give these guys a ton of credit because, like, if if you can't say a guy that made it to the NBA and he's on one of the best teams isn't mentally tough, because that whole journey there involves mental toughness. So. so Miss me with that bullshit narrative. But there is something to be said for the team getting in their feelings a little bit. You know what I mean? When, oh, we got beat on that second chance point. Oh, they hit that big three down the stretch. We guarded it right and it was just good defense, better offense or some good shot making. And now we're going into this kind of, hey, we need that home run free. Hey, we need just a simple drag screen. I'm going to drive it into the teeth, try and draw a foul, but I'm going to do it recklessly, lose the ball or throw up some bullshit shot and not get the contact that I'm looking for because I'm not being deliberate enough with what I'm trying to do. It There's just a, a, a lot of little things that are building up. And I kind of wrote this earlier. I was like, when you don't take care of the minutia, when you just let all the little things go wrong, that quickly piles up into a big issue. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing them do the little things right for a quarter, two quarters, maybe even three. But then they get overconfident or it goes the other way and they get a little bit in their feelings and things go wrong. Uh, I don't think Joe Mazzula's out of his depth. I know I've seen a few people say he's out of his depth. I don't think that yet. Obviously, opinions can change (laughs) if it keeps going the way it's going. But for me, it's just about figuring out your rotations, getting guys healthy and committing to doing what you did at the start of the year man get those paint touches get those drives like increase your amount of drives per game run some actions to get scorers down on the block wedge screens cross screens run some flex action i don't care what it is that you run just run some shit that's going to get people creating off the off the post i'm not saying score off the post i'm not saying play 80s basketball but you can't run dhos on the post you can't, I mean, there was, um, against the Knicks, they went with an Ime Udoka set, which was called an Iverson curl. So you have a guy come, you have two screeners, one on each um, elbow, and then you have a guy cut from one wing to another. That's an Iverson cut. So obviously the curl is they come off that second screener and they curl round and it's for an alley-oop play. And um, I think it was Jalen Brown that curled off that Iverson. So the Iverson cut, he curled. And then he slowed down so that the, the lob pass just wasn't there anymore because he took his foot off the gas. 
because he's probably not expecting someone to be throwing a lob from the perimeter for a team that shoots a bazillion frees a game and about four interior shots a year. It's just not no wonder he slowed down. He's not expecting the ball to come in there. So I think running some more stuff on the on the interior, even if it's just creation side of stuff, just DHOs. Um, maybe you just run a, a nice little like a uh, give and go with the elbow, passing to the elbow, sprint, I get it back, whatever it may be. Just like diversify, man, because right now you're so predictable. The amount of Spain pick and rolls this team runs is sickening. Like I'm, I'm literally bored of seeing them. I mean, mm. there's a Spain. I, like if I, I think I could tally about twelve to fifteen Spain pick and rolls a game. And I'm just like, man, I've had enough. Like, if I if I'm bored of seeing them, defenses must have guarding that damn pat. They know it's yeah. coming. The, yeah. Like, I can see it coming from the minute the guys start to. You'll see a, a screener come up to the top, and then you'll see a shooter just start to ghost his way in towards the key, and then boom, Spain pick and roll. And it's like defenses know it's coming now, and you're getting good looks because it's hard to guard, but they're not the gimmies that they were earlier in the year when you were doing it sporadically and catching teams off guard with it. Yeah, teams are getting used to it, used to the way that they're playing. They're getting they got used the playbook to playbook down. So you got, that's why I keep saying he has to, you got to try something, try something new. And if it, if it works, that's what's up. You could put it in the bag. But if it doesn't work, then you try something different. But at the end of the day, I'm not too concerned. Uh, our team is great, especially when they're like together and healthy. Uh, even if even if Rob has to be limited and if we can get Al Horford in there, when he's in there, you're right. It's just a different, it's just a different mindset. It's more comfortable, comfortable zone. Like everybody just feels comfortable when they rotate in that ball. If he's sitting there waiting in the corner or at the top of the key. He gets the ball last in the rotation. He's wide open. They're comfortable with him taking certain shots. Like it's just. It's just a better feel. He is another ball handler. So we'll just have to see how they 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 treat this West trip. Uh, no back-to-back games, right? On the West trip. On the road uh, trip. I'm sorry. I had it up a second ago. I don't remember seeing back-to-backs, but I could be wrong. I'm usually wrong, so it's okay. <laughs> I'm not too sure. I haven't looked, to be honest. Um, and the back-to-backs to me are fine. Like, you got to get through them. Every team has to get through them. Well, I was just saying that because isn't that how Horford – schedule is kind of like set yeah, up. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. play the second game in the right. I don't think there's oh, there might be. I see his number going. So up. they've got they've got not for this road trip, but for I was going to say for the rest of the season. Um after we've got two more back-to-backs in March. Um they're going to play Portland on St. Patrick's Day at 10 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Then they play Utah the Saturday after at nine o'clock. Um this is Eastern time. And then you've got a matchup against Milwaukee on the 30th. And then you've got Utah the day after. Okay. Um, and that's a 7.30 tip off. And then you've got one more um, in your final four games. You've got one more back-to-back. You've got Philly on April 4th. And then you've got Toronto the day after. Uh, the Philly one is at the ro- is on the road. And then Toronto is going to be home. So, And they'll close okay. out those last three games. We'll be at home at yeah. TD Garden. Yeah. So. I mean, the only thing, I'm going to end it on this. I'll get your thoughts. I'll let you say whatever you need to end the show. All I'm going to say is, and I joked about this on a different podcast I was on, uh, I think it was yesterday, but I will classify this road trip as a win if we don't get reports of a players-only meeting. That's when I will, as long as we don't get, you know, as long as we don't get told it's a players-only meeting happened on the bus or on the plane or in the locker room, 
as long as we don't get any of that shit this late in the season when everybody should be locked in and ramping up, then I'm fine. Like, I don't care about the results at that point. Just, you know, st- stay together. Keep that team mentality. Keep that good vibe in the locker room and keep pushing forward to what you're trying to do. No players-only meetings for me, please. I don't think it's that bad uh, yeah. to where there needs to be a play. I'm hoping I'm with you, though. Please, no prayer means... But I I don't think it's that bad. I just think they got to figure out, like, when they get to a certain situation, like, how to get over that that particular hump at that moment. You know, just watching players kind of, like, stay stagnant, watching Jalen Brown, like, hold the ball, knowing that the ball needs to get to Tatum so he could get the last shot or create the last shot. And it was just, it's just, it was just weird. It was, like, really mental farts. That's what I watched the past couple of nights. Have you got anything you want to end it with? Um, I, I think that was the one thing I was thinking about. I was like, I'm wondering when they're going to see some kind of report about a players only meeting. I, I don't want to hear that. I don't think it's a matter of player. No, I haven't actually heard anything, but that was my thought was like, once we hear that, that, okay, we're, we're in a bad spot. I don't think there needs to be one. I think it's just collectively like figure it out on the floor. Like, I don't think this is something where it's like, we have to, you know, have this whole separate meeting about things. It's just, just get it together. Like we've seen you guys play well, even during this rough patch, like you had leads in these games. That's where it gets upsetting that you blew them. Like just figure out what you're doing wrong and just fix the little things. The big things will take care of themselves. Okay. And with that, y'all we'll let everybody go. We'll be back later in the week. That Back on Friday. I had to work my days out in my head then. So we'll be back on Friday, everybody until then. Stay happy. The Celtics are going to play the Trailblazers tomorrow or today by the time you're listening to this or watching this, depending on if you're on podcast or YouTube. As I said at the top of the show, please hit that subscribe button. Help us grow. Wayne, Tim, always a pleasure, my guys. Thank you all very much. Everyone, have a good day. Cheers.